This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello there. On today's show, we're talking Star Wars news. We're reviewing The Mandalorian Chapter 12, The Siege, and we have a special guest, Jess from Stories by Dark Saber Lights. All right. So, what is going on, everybody? How are we doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing? Good. You're looking good. very distinguished and, uh, today. Distinct. Um, well, my contacts have been bothering <laughs> my left eye, yeah. and it, so I had to go. I had to give them a break and and go with the glasses for the weekend. So, it yeah, looks, I'm, I'm rocking the glasses yeah, today. Looks good. It's a good change of pace. I think. Yes. Yes. And and Jess, it's so nice to to meet you. I've heard a lot of good things about you, but now I I get to to see your face and meet you and everything. So. Uh, welcome to our show today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's always fun to finally put names and faces to the people that you're interacting with on social media. Yeah, yeah, for things. sure. Definitely. So, Adam, how are how are you doing? I know you're you're recovering from a yeah. recent. Uh, I remember last week when I procedure. Yeah, I remember last week when I was talking about going to the ER a few times. Well, this week it was surgery. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm a little. A little sore, uh, pretty tired, but I'm I'm doing okay, hanging in there. Um, well, I'm glad you're able to do the show today for sure. Yeah, I mean, when I'm when I'm sitting, it's it's fine. You know, just not moving much, it's fine. Uh, so this isn't so bad, but like getting up and moving around, that's what that's what's sore. So, but I did get to watch Mando and got to watch that from home. I was actually home for that, which was nice. And uh, in the hospital, I was watching Disney Plus. I brought my tablet with me. I was watching um, The Right Stuff, which has been really good. Uh, that's kind of about, that's a, well, not kind of, it is about the uh, Mercury astronauts from the 60s, you know, um, Alan Shepard and John Glenn and, and those guys. So it's a, it's a really nice, it's a, I wouldn't really call it a documentary. It's more of a, you know, dramatized, um, but it's, it's been re- a really good watch. So if, looking for something on I disney bet. plus yeah. kind of history buff um i've been enjoying it so i definitely plan to watch that um you know i haven't gotten around to it yet but i'm very excited about that one and um yeah you know of course i watched the mandalorian i've watched uh the Ho- star wars holiday special the lego holiday special I, yeah we'll i did watch a little that bit too, about yeah. and yeah so jess what have you been up to in in star wars this week Oh God! Or anything, really. One. Doesn't that just be even Star or, Wars? Or anything yeah. doesn't have to be Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Well, I mean, this last week was kind of a, a big Star Wars week with oh, yeah. what we had gotten last yeah. week, and and uh, so no, making podcasts, which is a new thing that I'm still getting used to, and um, I don't know, just kind of enjoying this this time. This is really the first time that I've been a really like. This is the first time that I've been getting new star wars content since becoming a star wars fanatic 
So nice. okay. this is like, this is kind of a new and enjoyable <laughs> yeah. couple of months. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, it, it's, yeah. it's not usually this uh, you know, flooded <laughs> with stuff. Uh, yeah, this, this past week has been really heavy with stuff. It's not usually this heavy, but... Yeah, it's definitely a good time to be a Star Wars fan and having the Mandalorian to look to look forward to each week. And um, yeah, I've been enjoying it as well. And um, related to, you know, the Mandalorian, but not only um, Ludwig Gorenson, but also John Williams, Kevin Kiner, Michael Giacchino, if I said it correctly, um, we had a weekly poll that asked the question, who is your favorite Star Wars composer? And I, I apologize to any John Powell fans out there that I couldn't <laughs> fit him into the, the, there's only four options. So I went with my top four. Um, but we had a lot of votes on this poll. We had 247 votes and, you know, there was a clear winner, John Williams with 95.5% of the vote. So I, yeah. I, you know, I had a feeling that that was going to be the case. Um, but, uh, you know, Ludwig came in second with 3.2% of the vote, at least. So, you know, if you're a, a fan of the Mandalorian score. Makes me wonder what would happen if you, yeah, it makes me wonder what would happen if you dropped John Williams and added John Powell. Yeah. You know, yeah, see, that. Yeah, see yeah. what would happen. That, yeah. That's going to be the next poll. Is yeah. it? Okay. I, I like yeah. that we'll idea. Yeah. Kind of see, yeah. We'll have to do that because they've all added so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. That would be an inter that that'll be an interesting poll to see how that shakes out. You know, take John Williams out of the mix and and see, it's kind of the best of the rest. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll have to put that poll up there this week. Cool. But yeah, um, I th I think we're ready to dive into our new segment for this week. Well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? <laughs> So the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special is here. It is on Disney Plus. It, it debuted on Tuesday, um, and yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, this holiday special, Jess and Adam. What did you guys think of this? Go ahead, Jess. After you. I thought it was so much fun. I thought that this, like, I have always been a really big fan of the Star Wars Lego specials. Um, I think that who. Whoever whoever did especially Empire Strikes Out, I think that they were catering right to my humor. Mm -hmm. It's so meta, it's so intelligent. It's still great for kids, but like there's just like it's like that is the stuff that you only get if you are a Star Wars fan. And this this was fun. It wasn't quite as meta as I, as I was hoping, but I just thought that it was such a nice little way to bring I mean literally bring all of the different trilogies together i just really feel like it was it, it feels like they were trying to bring a little bit of harmony to the franchise and and that was just really welcome i thought that it was so nice to be able to see all of the characters and and kind of even get to explore some some possible character dynamics between characters who never would ever actually meet before yeah definitely yeah that's kind of that's kind of how I felt about it too, uh, and and I think meta is the perfect way to talk about Lego Star Wars humor because that's exactly what it is. You know, it's a great word for it. That's kind of what I loved so much about the Lego Movie, which you know, there's not really Star Wars in that, but you know, it's very meta. You know, it it really does that type of thing. Uh, and like you said, this isn't quite that that way, but um, you know, I, I think there's. 
for Star Wars fans that have convictions, I think there's things in there that we can laugh at, no matter what. You know, we really, <laughs> we really get behind. You know, uh, TROS fans, TLJ fans, any of that. Stuff, there, there's stuff that we can hopefully laugh at. Just you know, just to maybe make things a little bit more lighthearted, and you know, remember that this is supposed to be fun for us. <laughs> you know, so for me, I thought it, it was a lot of fun, and I. I hope it can kind of remind everyone that this is supposed to be fun and to have fun with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. I had a lot, a lot of fun watching this, and you know, it, I I actually like the fact that it kind of told this, this a story that happens post the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, because you know, I I mean, we we might have gotten a like a little comic here or there, so, something that maybe that happened post um tros but but this was cool to see ray like training finn like that's what i w actually want to see you know and I, I would love to see that in another uh, movie you know in a, in a trilogy that takes place after um episode nine but i thought it was really cool seeing that seeing ray's new lightsaber um you know seeing her go and and kind of look into the the history of of the jedi and 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 like jess said just connecting back to those characters that you know, she never got to interact with. Um, yeah. So I, I really appreciated that aspect of it. Uh, I love the, along with just, I love the, how fun right, it was. sorry. Uh, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. I was just going to say, I love that Ray was just kind of like the star Wars super fan, you know, uh, through mm -hmm. the whole thing. So she's going through kind of like, you know, if, if we were happened to be on set through filming any of that stuff you know how how a fan might act you know that's how she's acting as she's going back and seeing luke blowing up a death star or you know you know luke training with yoda on dagobah you know that type of stuff mm -hmm. um she's just freaking out and loving it and uh i i liked that that was the role that that she had i thought that was i thought that was well done agreed and i, I loved all the stuff with the emperor i thought that you know it's played so well and so funny yeah, um, yeah. all those moments with the emperor and everything. So I enjoyed that. But yeah. I'm looking forward to going back and watching it a, a couple more times just to pick up some things. Maybe I missed the first time. So that is the star Wars holiday special, but you know, we want to know what, what you guys our fans thought of that as well. So make sure you, you let us know what you thought of the holiday special. And um, moving on to the Mandalorian, uh, there's some news for season two. Now, Adam, I don't know about you, but, I've been impatiently waiting for the soundtrack for the Man Mandalorian to show up on like Amazon music or mm -hmm. um, whatever you might use to listen to music. And I could, I, I swear every Friday I would go on Amazon music and like, look for the soundtrack for that episode. Cause for the first season, they, uh, the score for the episode basically was released after each episode or the day the episode was released. Um, but this time around, they decided to do it in two volumes. So um, I believe it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The volume one of season two was released for the f first four episodes of the season. And then they'll release a volume two for the last four episodes of the season in, in December. I think it's December 18th or something like that is um, when that will come out. So I'm looking forward to really I, I didn't get to yet, but I'm really looking forward to diving in and, and listening to the score, listening to the work of Ludwig Gorenson and. Yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I'm excited. I, I, I went on YouTube and found some of the tracks yesterday. 
Um, but honestly, I like I, I went in looking for Bo-Katan's theme, but Samuel Kim, who's on YouTube, does fantastic things with the music. He's already had his version out for the last four days. So uh, I don't know where he did this stuff, but I'm such a big fan of his. And so it was it was fun to see even what he was putting out in the aftermath of each episode. So yeah. he's right on top of it, but it's fun to have both of them. <laughs> that, you know, Jess, that was actually the first thing I listened to this morning. I went straight to, you know, where the Bo-Katan music is um, and listened to that because I thought that was just such a such cool sounding music. And um, I, I loved it. So. It's very, it's very her. It's always fun. To, it's, it's always fun when character things come out, and you can really tell like this has been purposefully like it, yeah. like it crafted yeah. for the character. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of like having the volumes instead of the week by week thing. I don't know why. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think for me, I think like going back and listening to the soundtrack after the season's over. It gets a little weird going through eight different albums, you know, to listen to it. So having it just kind of mixed down to two albums, I kind of like. Uh, so, so maybe for that reason, I think I like having it in two volumes instead of eight. Yeah, I can definitely albums, see so. that. I, I think for me, um, I like listening to it and being able to picture what happened in the episode while I'm listening to it. So it, it doesn't, I don't know if these vol, this first volume, it, it doesn't seem like it's necessarily in order. Um, yeah, so that's yeah, I don't one think that it's one of, for one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was the one drawback for me is I, I like to kind of listen through like chronological order of how the sound and music goes through the episode and, and everything. But that, that's my only complaint. Um, but other than that, it's just, it's good to be able to, to listen to the music again. So. And Adam, I'm going to actually pass the next story to you here because you're kind of our, our Disney parks uh, expert. Mm. Um, so I'm going to let you take this one. All right. Well, uh, a little bit earlier this week, the Disney Parks blog put out uh, what they called updates on new Disney Parks attractions, entertainment offer. Oh, wow, I butchered that headline. Uh, updates on new Disney Parks attractions and entertainment offer glimpse of exciting future. Uh, and this came out on the 16th. So th there's a whole bunch of stuff in here and I'm going to skip over pretty much, uh, most of it, uh, because they talk about Avengers campus and Disneyland. They talk about, you know, um, uh, Ratatouille and, and things of that nature. But what really caught my eye was the star Wars stuff. And they did talk about, uh, the galactic star cruiser, uh, which is the two day, two night experience coming to Walt Disney world. Uh, soon, I guess, uh, next year, I think it's, I think they're looking at like the next year or so. Uh, so actually what we got to see here is some brand new concept art of what some of these rooms look like. Uh, looks very cool. I I'll try to remember to put this link in the show notes, but I'm not <laughs> great at doing that. So. so, uh, but we'll try. Uh, so what what we can see here kind of is there's a, a main bed. Uh, the kid the kids' beds kind of look almost like uh, this little uh, bunk, almost like you'd see in in the Falcon, uh, which is yeah. Very I was just neat. gonna say it looks like a room that you might stay in on the ship on the Millennium Falcon. You yeah, know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's really kind of where it looks like it's been inspired by. 
uh, it, it almost looks like this, the, the first image I would call maybe kind of like a living room in this hotel uh, that has a, a viewport. Uh, kind of, uh, Disney has these uh, magical, uh, they call them uh, the magic portholes, I believe, uh, on the cruise ships, where if you're on an inside cabin ship that doesn't normally have a window, what you get is a little porthole that's actually a TV screen. Uh, and you can see what's going on outside. They add some of these little like, character effects to it and things like that. So pretty much I think that's what, kind of what you're getting here. Is it looks like a porthole, uh, and then you're getting a video of, you know, stuff that's happening in space. So pretty cool looking rooms there. I am <laughs> really, really wanting to do this. So I bad. hope like, someday <laughs> that I can actually afford to do this, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, oh my gosh, I, I want to do this so bad. Uh, and if it's anything like the Disney cruise experience, it's going to be amazing. Uh, but yeah, uh, have you seen this, Jess? Have, have you yeah, I have. looked into that? The oh. picture that came out, I, th I thought that was so cool. I always love yeah. seeing how they, they do the theme rooms. And it's not even that, it's not even that in your face, but it's like clearly inspired by Star Wars and, yeah. and the, the Falcon. And I, I just love that. That's really ingenious. Yeah, it looks super cool. So keep your eyes out, I guess, for more uh, Galactic Star Cruiser images coming down the line but that'll take care of what we got this week's all right adam well thanks for taking care of that one and are you guys ready to talk about chapter 12 the siege let's i do am. it let's do it ah mando <laughs> So The Mandalorian Chapter 12, The Siege, directed by none other than Carl Weathers himself. Um, so let's get some overall thoughts and just reactions to this episode without spoilers um, for, for right now. And Adam, do you want to go first? Yeah, uh, I had a blast this episode. Um I Carl Weathers, I was... I don't know. I don't want to say I was surprised by what he was directing, but it was really great. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It felt like it had these almost like new hope vibes, you know, through some of it. Um, I, I, I don't, uh, just dance around spoilers. Like I love, I love seeing what's happened with Navarro since we've been there last. Uh, you know, I love where that planet is at. Baby Yoda was Baby Yoda, <laughs> you know, it was very well done with the humor and everything like that. So I, I, I thought it was wonderful. So Excellent. Jess, what did yeah. you think about this episode? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I, I think that some people were worried just because last week was just such a, like an in your face, like people were really excited by the new content that we were getting, that it was again going to be kind of like episode two after episode one, where it was just going to be a little bit hard to live up to it, but it was so different. It was so unique. Um, Carl Weathers knocked it out of the park. The action shots, the cinematography was just fantastic. Um, yeah, I loved seeing Navarro and, and how things are changing. I think that a, a lot of times we don't often get to see the updates after, mm -hmm. you know, after some big thing happens on a planet, you know, it's nice to be able to go back and see things changing for the better. And, um, 
I think that baby was at his cutest that he's ever been. So I don't know. This was, it's, man, this show, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And they're doing it, they, they're, they're doing it whether they've got the cast that was featured in season one or when they, they're relying on guest characters. Um, man, each week, it's just been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I, season one, I, you know, I, I really, really loved the show. You know what I mean? Like I, I, and I kept watching it over and over again, but I feel like now, like I'm just like in love with the show, if that makes (laughs) any sense. I'm just kind of obsessed with it now and, and just, you know, watching it at least three times, (laughs) uh, each episode and just, so interested in, in what's going to happen next. And I feel like so connected with the characters and everything. Um, this was probably one of my favorite episodes of the season, actually. Um, and it, it kind of starts to answer some more questions that we had from season one, just like the previous episode started to answer some of those questions about the Mandalorians specifically, which we'll get into with Jess in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think uh, aside from a few minor nitpicks that I had, I, I think that I, I really, I thought this episode was one of the best so far. Um, so You're not going to nitpick on Carl Jean's Waters. guy, are you? No, I'm not going to nitpick that. Okay, I love, I love a, Jean's I'm guy. Game, I'm a Game of Thrones <laughs> fan who did not care about there being a Starbucks cup in there at all. Fair enough. Didn't okay. bother me one bit, so I will not complain about that. Um, but, you know... Let's get into some spoilers now. We're going to we're going to jump into a section that I've kind of named and then renamed and re- renamed again. We're going to go with uh, jetpacks and bantha fodder. Um, so just our highs and lows of the episode. To stay spoiler free, fast forward to 47 minutes, six seconds. All right, so let's go ahead and get into our jetpacks for this episode. That would be any high points you had, uh, things that stood out that you really loved about the episode. Well, um, starting at the top for me, I thought Baby Yoda's red wire, blue wire shtick was really funny. Uh, it was almost Abbott and Costello <laughs> a little bit. Um, I thought it was, I, I just, it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, it was a good dad moment. I love that Mando didn't get frustrated with it. He just kind of saw it. Well, it was worth a try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I I loved that part. And uh, like I said before, I loved seeing the changes on Navarro. Uh, what uh, Cara Dune and Grief Karga have done with that planet kind of feels like they've taken charge there themselves and kind of turned things around there. Uh, you know, I love grief. I loved grief cargo and in, in season one, but you know, seeing that, I don't know if maybe that was his vision to see Navarro turn around like that. Cause he, he felt like in season one, he had this attachment towards Navarro, really loved Navarro, thought it was a great place. And so it's almost like he's, he's made, he's being that change. You know, it's almost like he's kind of the one that's behind where it's at right now. And I love that, you know, they, they set up a school, uh, They've cleaned up some of the riffraff. They're trying to kind of move the empire away, uh, so that Navarro can prosper and be, uh, you know, a, an anchor for trade in that region. Um, I, I loved every aspect of what they were doing there. 
Yeah, I uh, I definitely think that uh, similarly, I I really, you know, we, we both just mentioned it, but I loved seeing Navarro. I loved seeing the little space school. I'm I'm a big yeah. fan of yeah. anything that brings in, you know, Star Wars has this beautiful mesh of the fantasticalness of science fiction and fantasy, and then the mundanity of the life that we all recognize. So um, I just loved seeing the school and um, Baby Yoda and, and the, the macaroons. The, 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 <laughs> just such a cute little thing. And um, no, I, I mean, even something as simple as like, I just, I love all the details that come. I think that, that um, John Favreau and his crew are finding great ways to bring in all kinds of little tidbits about the culture. They, they really pack it full and really make storytelling a very efficient practice in this show. And so when you're looking at the school and you hear what the droid is saying and you're getting tidbits about how all oh, the, the current um, galactic capitalism, Chandrila, which is um, accurate in terms yeah, of yeah. That, that is the capital in the aftermath trilogies mm -hmm. at this time. And I just, I, I love seeing all that. And that's all of the, the context that I'm just desperate for. I love that Grief Karga also has the moment where, um, you know, after Din says that he had a run-in with the New Republic and he says, they should just leave us alone. They should leave the Outer Rim alone. If the Empire couldn't control the Outer Rim, what makes them think that, that they can? Which, uh, again, just kind of really goes to show the way that they operate and... Um, all of that efficient storytelling is what I'm here for, but gosh, the, the list can go on of the number of jetpacks that I had. Awesome. Um, you know, I echo a lot of yours and Adam's as well. And, you know, I'll go ahead and run through mine here. Um, definitely, you know, Adam, like you mentioned that the moment with the wires and everything, it, it was for me, it had a, a baby group, had some baby group vibes to it from uh, <laughs> Guardians 2 and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and just seeing the Mando and the child kind of, it's, they, maybe they were, maybe it was soup or a drink or something they were eating or drinking together. Um, and you just saw Din kind of lift his, his helmet up just enough to, to be able to, to eat or drink, whatever that was. Um, I just like that little moment right there. Mm -hmm. Um, again, with, with the macaroons, um, you know, my wife was, was calling them that. And I was like, I don't even know what macaroons are. I just thought they were cookies, but, uh, <laughs> so, so him, but, but it was like, this was the only moment I think in this season that we see the child using the force and it's to steal some cookies basically, which I, I think is, they were all about saving the, that know, for something kind of big. <laughs> and it yeah. turns there, out it was, there for is one moment. There is one moment in the passenger when, uh, but again, it's all about the food for him. Mm -hmm. When he goes up to the glass and the first time that he's looking at the eggs, he puts his hands on the glass. And if you look really closely, you can see the eggs start to draw like to him. Coming toward oh, him. Does yeah. he? Uh, but yeah. clearly okay. it's just, yeah, it's, uh, it's all one. about the food. Interesting. Yeah, okay. He's in survival mode, you know, um, <laughs> but yeah. And I, I, I love the fact that the band is back together in this episode that we get grief and Kara and, uh, you know, Din Djarin back again, back together. Um, working together i i, I want to see more i'd love to see more of that i know this is essentially a story about the mandalorian and the child but um you know i like seeing all these characters together uh i felt that it really dives further into moff gideon's plan the empire's plan um while still leaving some questions you know um, a lot of questions <laughs> Yeah, I mean we know there's like some what is the plan <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, um 
and you know we see some possible clones there i mean to me they kind of looked like snoke i don't know if they are or not or if it's going to tie into the sequel trilogy somehow which i personally think would be awesome if it i would love to see it connect to the emperor's plan and um you know the sequel trilogy snoke and everything i think that'd be cool if it does its own thing entirely different from that i'm cool with that too but um it kind of answers some questions a little bit but also leaves some questions but I thought it was very interesting, too, about it it seems clear now that they were going after baby Yoda because of the midichlorians. Um, And and we'll get into that in our um, reference section here. But so um, real quick before we jump farther into that, my idea for the plan, like originally when I saw the thing in in the jar, (laughs) it looked almost like, you know, the Snoke's in the jar. And mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker, I, I I got those vibes too. Um, yeah. But then at the end, with the armor that they're looking at, right, I start feeling like they're Maybe trying to create right force users uh, to have almost yeah. like this group of elite force army or using, something. Yeah, force using stormtroopers of some you know. Mm-hmm. Death I mean, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me considering you know we not only seen um, uh, Dr. Pershing last mm-hmm. season, but now we've got a couple more uh, scientists, all of whom are wearing the Kaminoan uh, mm-hmm. cloning symbol. And so it's like, okay, well, now we've got these, these, uh, this, this army here. Yeah. Who exactly is the, is the recipient of whatever this, this experimentation is about? Is it, is it, uh, Snoke, Palpatine, is it? I, I was thinking, you know, maybe Gideon, but also like, yeah, I was, I was thinking like they're they're setting up an army here, and yeah. that would be utterly terrifying if it was a force sensitive clone army. That's kind of yeah. what I think that they're doing. I mean, that and that's a whole legends thing right there. You know, mm-hmm. trying to imbue mm-hmm. regular people with force powers, and you know, that's that's somewhere where I think I could see them taking that uh, this story and. You know, when you look at that, when you look at the armor at the end, I think that kind of fits, you know, they're trying to fill those sets of armor with, you know, force using people, but maybe they're having, Dr. Pershing alludes to that, you know, they're having trouble getting this to work. You know, it's like the bodies won't mm-hmm. accept the blood and they can only take so much blood at, at a time uh, from the child without killing the child. You know, they're trying to preserve that so because that's almost like their supply of blood, in, you know. Um, maybe Gideon has a dark saber because he's going to lead this army of force using. So he has a dark saber, you know, is kind of like the general of that, of that, um, of that army. And then, you know, his soldiers each have lightsabers. I don't know. It's, uh, that's, that's kind of the vibes that I was getting at the end of there. Yeah. I'm, I'm very, I'm very curious to see where this goes and what the answers are. I love that it did kind of answer things a little bit, but then still left a lot of questions open. And that's always fun um, to speculate on those things for sure. Um, Did you guys, I I'll go through kind of what my Bantha fodder from this episode was just a a couple nitpicks that I had. Um, And these are just minor things, but the first one was when they with the whole scene with them, like in the hallways of the, of that old um, Imperial base, when they were kind of like, I felt like when they were going through that after they had tried to basically 
blow the thing up. I felt like there was just a lot of really quick transition shots and they used the the famous Star Wars wipes. Like I felt like it was just overused a little bit. Like they just kept wiping the screen and wiping it and jumping to the next thing and the next thing. I think they could have taken a little more time and used less of those transitional wipes. Um, just because for me, it just takes me out of it a little bit. I think it was just overused a little bit. Um, and then the only other nitpick I had was they didn't really show the passage of time in this episode, at least that I noticed. I only watched it once. Um, and I felt like the razor crest was like so quickly repaired that it was almost like just kind of not believable to me um, that it was like pristine basically <laughs> by the end of the episode. Um, but those were just my two like little, little minor nitpicks. I, did you guys have any Bantha fodder from this episode, negatives, nitpicks? For me, I hate to say it, but like I didn't really have any nitpicks. Uh, and and I don't know. I don't know. The Razor Crest didn't bother me so much, and I don't know. Like season one, because it was torn apart by Jawas, and then you know, kind of <laughs> space worthy. A few minutes later, that I don't know. That that but, never but really bothered me. But they me. showed they showed them repairing it though, and they showed that it took time, and that you know it it, it yeah really took a long time for them to do that. That that's for me what the difference was. But. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I I just it, it didn't bother me. I and I really can't think of. I watched it twice. I watched it a second time a little bit ago, and I I really can't find anything that I don't like about this episode. I love this episode. For me, um, I also did notice the uh, quick wipe transitions okay. through some of the action shots. Didn't bother me too much because I feel like the the quick wipe is part of the the aesthetic um, of Star Wars, especially because this big New Hope vibes that I actually kind of enjoyed it. I also think that like it. I mean, from a from a filmmaking point of view, it's clear that they were probably using the same hallway over and mm -hmm. over again. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, these people have a big budget, but even they have limitations. So I thought that uh, if they did have to, you know, edit all those shots together to, to do it that way, which uh, with the, the wipe was kind of appropriate. I also kind of think like, um, I'm not really sure what purpose having the Mithral back was. I, it was, I, yeah, yeah, he he was almost just comic relief. Uh, really. Yeah, pretty much. He was, yeah, it was comic relief, and and don't get me wrong, you know, um, he was played very well. Um, I I I really I do not like it when people take their dislike for the characters and attach it to the actor, because in oh, every circumstance yeah. we've seen we've seen characters that maybe aren't you know, received very well. And then that's mm -hmm. translated to the actor. And even yesterday I was seeing some things on, on the oh, actor's really? wall. I didn't see that. That's, that's sad. Well, just it one is. thing where somebody oh, had said, okay. you're basically 2020 Jar Jar Binks. And it was like, okay, uh, have not, have we not learned anything about what, what it means to, you know, not bully the actors. I mean, yeah, right. you don't have to like a Seriously. character. You don't have to like a character, but but the character itself was played very well for what he was sure, supposed to sure. be. But my question then is, what exactly was his purpose, if if not simply for comic relief, which is probably just what it was, just to kind of let you know lighten the mood a little bit. Um, but I figured that there might be something with uh, you know the fact that we just got back um, those three big characters that we saw in season one plus Moff Gideon. Um, I was expecting 
I don't know, maybe some kind of... Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say, Carl Weathers came out and made just one comment a while back about how Grief Karga might have some motivations that we don't know about yet. So as I watched this episode, I was really expecting some kind of... Be- not not maybe not betrayal at the moment, mm-hmm. but some kind of foreshadowing to mm-hmm. one of these characters being a little bit shadier. And so the fact that we had all three of them, and it kind of just feels like all three of them kind of just showed up just for the sh- sake of of uh, showing up and showing how the town has progressed. I was just a little bit like, is there something there, or should there be something there in order to, um, you know, as as we're going into the second half of the season? Not yeah. really sure, but that yeah. was just my mm-hmm. thoughts. I, I feel that. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt about Frog Couple. Uh, you know, um, I, I, liked, I liked them being there, but it almost felt for me like maybe there needed to be something a little bit more. You know, why are they there? Uh, instead of just point A to point B type thing. And so with Mithril, instead of just being comic relief, you know, it does feel like there should be some other motivation for having him there. Or maybe he has some other motivation other than just working off... 300 some years of that you know yeah i'm i mean i hear what you guys are saying i think i kind of land on on the other side of it though just because like those kind of things don't tend to bother me like when there's those characters in there um because i think with any movie with any show you're going to have those kind of side characters who maybe don't have much more to them other than surface level um and, but then you get to your main characters and those are the characters that you really see character development and, um, you know, go beyond the surface level stuff with those characters. So that, you know, that's something that, that really doesn't bother me personally, just for that reason. But, but yeah, I, I get, I get some people feeling that way about those characters, but it's just one of those things that doesn't bother me so much. But I think we are ready to go into our Suga uh segment where we talk about all the easter eggs and references um from this episode so i'll start with um the protocol droid being used to educate students on navarro um i i thought that was just really cool to have that in there and i i thought he he just looked excellent you know just was so well i mean it seemed you know like it was practical like it, maybe they actually built this thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, again, I'm having a hard time in season two determining what's real and what's not real because it all just looks so good. Um, so that, that was one thing that I noticed. And um, another one that we've mentioned already so far is just the shots and scenes that are similar to a new hope, um, like the Imperial base set, you know, looking like the, the inside of the death star um the targeting system and the ties you know having that that same feel as as a new hope and everything i don't know if you guys noticed anything else that had the a new hope vibes but there was definitely a lot of references to a new hope here i believe that moff gideon's imperial ship is uh is introduced yeah. the exact in, in, with the exact same shot as the opening of new hope so that was uh yep pretty cool absolutely i wish that was better it just really feels like eggs. like last <laughs> i suck at that last week <laughs> <laughs> um well i mean i I've, I've watched some youtube videos of other people oh. who are also much better than me at, at <laughs> fair <video>. enough <laughs> so, 
Um, I did notice that one. Though. Yeah. But uh, but it, it's just fun because it just feels like you know last week was really tying Clone Wars and Rebels into this show, and now we've got the the ties to the original trilogy and the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy coming in a little bit, and you know just like I mentioned with the uh, the holiday special, I just I feel so strongly that you know I watch this show and it just feels like John Favreau and Dave Filoni are just doing their very very best to bring a kind of cohesion not only to the franchise and the stories that are being told but also kind of to the fan base it just there's something for everybody in the show I love the references to the EU I love that they're always so willing to bring in references to basically anything Mm -hmm. so kudos to them yeah yeah, I mean, I love that this show does stand on its own, but it also connects to all these other things, Jess, that you mentioned at the same time. And it and it doesn't like overuse the references or just use them for the sake of being references. There's like kind of a, a purpose to it and everything. So I'm really I'm really digging that uh, about the show. An- another one that I didn't notice when I watched it. So when I watch it a second time, I'll have to pay attention to this. There's an IG 11 statue on Navarro. I, I guess. saw a picture um, of that on Twitter today. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I missed that one the first yeah. time around. Um, And then go ahead, Jess. Sorry. No that, no, that was, that was sweet. Just a very nice callback. Yeah. Yeah, definitely for, for his sacrifice. Got to recognize that. Um, And then, I mentioned this a little earlier, a possible reference to midichlorians. I th- I think um, Dr. Pershing said something about there was like M, M something or other. I don't know what the exact line was that he said because I missed it. His M but count. Mm-hmm. M count. Yeah, M count. And M maybe, count, that's, yeah. maybe that's midichlorians. So, I think um, so. Yeah. But did you guys notice anything else that I didn't um, as far as the references go? Easter uh, eggs, anything like, like that. Like I said, I'm terrible picking out Easter eggs. All right. If it's not on Twitter um, or like Jess said, if it's not on a YouTube video, then I'm hopeless at it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'll catch them, but sometimes it takes a couple viewings, and then sometimes I just rely on the <laughs> the the other people to do that for me. Um, well, let's go ahead and, and give our score for this episode. So uh, how many Beskar ingots would you give this episode out of 10 um, Jess, let's start with you. So out of 10, what would you give this episode? Oh, gosh. Some great, great answers to, to the questions that we had. Lots of room to grow. Great uh, exploration of, you know, the characters that we loved last year. Great action. 8.5 out of 10. Like a solid episode. Yeah. Adam, what about you? I'm probably at a nine on this one. Reserving that ten score, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun for me. This one, so uh, nine for me. Yeah, Adam, I'm with you. I'm 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 pretty. I I try to use the ten, but rarely, you know, for for something I feel is truly close to perfection. Um, but yeah, I, I got to go nine out of ten. You know, aside from my the minor nitpicks that I had, this was one of my favorite episodes. I loved it. I love how it expanded upon things from the first season and started to give us more clues about what's going on here on the Imperial side of things and the Moff Gideon plan. Um, And I just loved all the moments with um, the child in this episode and the band being back together and all the, all the great action. So yeah, I got to go nine out of 10 as well. Um, So now that we've 
gotten our scores out of the way. Do you guys have any predictions for what we might see in the, in the next episode? Keeping in mind that this is the Dave Filoni directed episode. Um, Jess, I'll start with you. Any predictions? I mean, I think that we're going to see Ahsoka. Is it time? We're, I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. So, I mean, this is this is Dave Filoni's episode. Yeah. He's writing it. He's directing it. Ahsoka is his baby. We're getting Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, We've heard that it's so, called the Jedi. So, I, I, well, no, I don't know I if mean, that's like for real, but we've heard that. Take you know, a look at the take a look at the source that that. Yeah, that yeah, for, yeah, I don't, real. I don't really think that it is. I also, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, I would be very shocked. Yeah. Also, we've we've had leaks for the other ones, and not a single one of the true the uh, true. last four episodes has been correct. So, true. Um, which actually, any thoughts on why did they call this episode this the siege? When we've just had the Siege of Mandalore this year, so we're already kind of thinking about that. A siege is not four people infiltrating a base. Right. That's yeah, that's curious. I, 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 I'm, I'm just not sure. I'd really like to ask what what the point was of yeah. that name. But, um, no, I think that we'll see Ahsoka, and I have to believe that, um, you know, we've got a tracker on the Razor Crest now. So. Yep. Yeah. That I don't know. <laughs> that that's a good question about the episode title. Um, maybe it has something to do with the army that he's. Maybe that maybe Gideon is preparing for a siege, and you know we just don't know quite his plan yet. So I don't know. But that's a good question. If it if it is referring to what you know Din and Kara and Grief did, then it's not much of a siege. Uh, but yeah. Maybe it will uh, make sense maybe, later on. Maybe. Adam, any predictions for next episode? I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of with Jess. It might be Ahsoka time. Because uh, he, he, you know, uh, Din said he couldn't make it to Corvus on, you know, where, where the Razor Quest, where the Razor Crest was at at that point, but it's fixed, so he can now. Mm-hmm. But it might be time. Yeah, I'm I'm almost ninety nine point nine percent sure that we're gonna see Ahsoka in the next episode. Dave Filoni, you know, loves the character, and I think it makes perfect sense for him to direct that that character in that episode. And that you mentioned the the tracker on the Razor Crest. I I think almost that what might happen is you know um, the Mandalorian finds Ahsoka, but maybe Moff Gideon, of course, tracks them. Um, to where they are, and maybe we'll see a dark saber on lightsaber action, um, which I would be very excited about. So and that, remember, Bo Katan's out there looking for that dark saber too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what's funny is that it'll be if if that's true, it'll be Ahsoka's second time dueling the dark saber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did right. all the way back in Clone Wars season four. Right. Yes, indeed. Yes. So you know, a, a week from today, we'll be talking about what happened in chapter 13. Um, but for now, let's move into our next segment um, with our special guest, Jess. Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. A few weeks ago, I saw Duchess Satine tweet that she was interested in joining some podcasts. And then I heard that Wiki Radio had landed the Duchess and I was... I yeah, listened to that show, I was blown away by her knowledge of not only just Mandalorian Jedi lore, uh, but just 
her knowledge of the use of storytelling mechanics in Star Wars uh, in general. Uh, so, of course, Duchess Satine was only a Twitter account name, and I'm actually talking about uh, our guest today, Jess, from the brand new Stories by Darksaber Light podcast, uh, a show that just honestly f- further solidifies your your knowledge in those topics that I was just talking about. Uh, so we're incredibly excited to welcome you, Jess, to uh, from a certain point of view. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? What got you into Star Wars? You know, what made you inter- interested in starting a podcast? That type of stuff. Well, yes, thank you both for having me. This has been a lot of fun. So um, I've always been. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I haven't always been a Star Wars fan. I remember when I was young, not being interested in in sci-fi. I'm pretty sure I had the opportunity to go to see Phantom Menace in the theaters, and I'm pretty sure I said, no, that sounds boring. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I got into science fiction, and specifically it was Stargate. Stargate was my gateway drug. Okay. Um, My gateway drug, haha. Um, And I got into into Stargate when I was in high school, and that was what opened it up to everything else. So that was when I watched everything always been a big fan since then um but then it was this last may when i found out about this thing called the clone wars Mm, and it was funny because i i started watching it may 5th which was the day after the final episode aired i didn't try to do that but uh (laughs) it was just kind of seemed a little prescient that uh I started it and just blew through it. And I don't know, that was, you wouldn't necessarily expect that that's what would get a 10 year old or a, 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 a fan who's been a fan of Star Wars for 10 years. It's funny that the Clone Wars was the thing that really grabbed me. But I that's just felt awesome. like. That's awesome. I love that though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel it did, like. It, I felt, oh, it did so much to, to justify the yeah. prequel yeah. and, and tie everything together. And um, then, as you can tell from. The Twitter account itself. I fell in love with with Satine and Obi Wan, and I loved the Mandalorian stories right from the start. I thought that it was just fascinating. I've always I've always loved the Jedi and their culture and like mm-hmm. and everything surrounding them. But I think that I just really needed a planetary culture with a very long history and culture and politics to just that like that's what grabbed me. And so since then. Um, I've kind of found my my niche in this um, Mandalorian lore. Yeah. Um, a couple people have started to call me the Mandalorian historian, so <laughs> I, I, like I will it. not. I like it. I will not uh, say no to that if people <laughs> want it. Um, but no, I just think that it's it's been really fun to be able to provide some um, thoughts and reflections as we're getting some new information, people have been coming and asking me, you know, what do we know? What has been established canonically about this that I saw in the Mandalorian, or this is confusing to me. What's the timeline here? And eventually I just had some people who were like, you've got a lot of thoughts. You should start a podcast. And I knew that was about a month before season two started and I wasn't considering doing it, but I just knew that if I was going to do this, I had to get it off the ground before Mando season two came out. I had to jump on that. So uh, stories by dark saber light was born as a, a celebration of Mando's Jedi and all, all uh, characters in between. And uh, my friend Arika Jade and I have been uh, reflecting on the Mandalorian episodes as they've come out and we've got, new content that's being planned for after the season's over. So it's been a lot of fun. That's 
That's awesome, and I, I have been listening to every episode, and I gotta tell you, it's wonderful. You're doing a great job over there. I can't wait to see what you're gonna be doing. You know, not just through finishing season two of Mando, but then beyond that, because of, like you said, Mandalore has has the history. It has the lore. There's so much there you can dive into. Not even not even looking at the Jedi, even just you know Mandalore stuff. There's so much you can dive into there. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what stories by Dark Saber Light is gonna cover. You know, post uh, Mando season two. So, uh, you've got one very excited listener here. <laughs> So. <laughs> thank you so much yeah no you know, thank you for putting on the show uh to be honest um so mandalorian we just talked about season uh, about chapter 12 let's take a little bit of a breath <laughs> let's we're halfway through halfway through season two uh there's been some amazing you know amazing appearances we got bo katan we got you know cobb vanth for me i loved cobb vanth uh Let's just kind of take a step back here. What are you thinking so far? Halfway through, how are you feeling about season two? Oh, I think this is a lot of fun. I think that it was either it was Filoni or Favreau, one of them, who gave an interview saying that this world was going to start getting bigger, and I, I feel like we're seeing it slowly. They're they're not they're not just dumping us in, you know, head first. But yeah. it feels like it's growing, and that's exciting to me. I've I've always loved the premise. I love that they started out with this kind of slow-moving Western style, uh, you know, just you know the gunslinger and just kind of mm-hmm. you know the long shots of him walking through the desert and things like that. Like we needed that to establish where we were. But then once we got that world established, now it's growing, and that it really feels like we're we're getting or we're. we're growing to something big and the fact that we ha- have now exhausted all of the uh material that's been shown in the trailers we're going into the second half blind yeah unknown I'm territory expect- i'm expecting some pretty big things that's what has me most excited actually is that we've gotten mm-hmm. past all of the trailer stuff so everything you know all of these little leaks that came out before the season minus possibly one uh you know we We've seen them all, and the next one may be coming this week, uh, which leaves three more weeks of just wide-open territory. I mean, there are definitely surprises left in this season, and I can't wait <laughs> to see what those are. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. And to to the point of kind of the, the world-building that, that's taking place here, I think... You know, that was something that George Lucas was so good at, um, you know, especially maybe even arguably during the, the prequel era. And and of course, the original trilogy was just building the world and, um, you know, making it feel lived in. And, you know, and I think the Mandalorian is is doing a great job of expanding its world as well in this season. So I'm, I'm with you. Cool. Uh so along with all these appearances and stuff, and I mentioned lore a little bit. There's been a lot of lore uh, in this season so far, this first four episodes. Um, now we know Clone Wars season seven uh, kind of walked back a little bit of some things from the Ahsoka novel, uh, and even Cobb Vance's appearance was altered just a little bit uh, this season, which is fine. Um, has this so far here, in terms of just Mandalorian lore, uh, has this so far? pretty much adhered to what's come before uh, you know i'm pretty much familiar with most of it but not all of it so has this 
pretty much held the line as far as Mandalorian lore? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a really long question because, yeah, right. as, as you know, <laughs> we had the EU, which yeah, yeah. thought of as canon, and then the new Mandalorian pacifists came in because that's what George Lucas wanted, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of controversy there, and that changed everything. So not only did we have that change, but but since then the story has changed. And this is something that yeah, a lot of people, other than me, probably don't recognize, but there are some slight changes that um, were included at the, be- when, when they started telling this Mandalorian story at the beginning of the Clone Wars, um, they decided on some things and now they've kind of walked back on several. And okay. nothing that really is um, relevant right now to what we're seeing in the Mandalorian. But the one thing that has that that I noticed this year specifically is that um, originally, if you look back at the older reference books that came out during, you know, about 2010 as season two was um, coming out, um, there were things like they said Mandalore's the surface of Mandalore was destroyed in an ancient war with the Jedi. That was that was what had been established in the EU. Um, and that is what I believe is we actually, we get kind of a mention, uh, you know, um, Pre Vizsla mentions the crimes that the Jedi committed against Mandalore in yeah. season four. Yeah. But then um, in, in Rebels, we got a mention that there was a Mandalorian Jedi war. But this year, there have been several books that have come out that have established that no, the planet of Mandalore was not, like the surface was not destroyed 700 years ago. It was destroyed about 20 years before the Clone Wars. It was destroyed in the Mandalorian Civil War, which is the war that um, Hmm. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon were protecting Satine in. So it's much more recent. And so so there there are some things that have kind of been walked back on. That tells me that they're, they're open to kind of changing the narrative just a little bit, um, the planet's destruction, like that was something that was only established in reference books. It was never set on screen. So they're not going right, against right. their own canon on screen, but but they are kind of massaging the story. So it's hard to really realize what exactly is specifically new and what is always been part of this plan. Um, I don't think that anything we've seen so far, especially this season, has been... Um, uh, contradictory to what we've okay. seen before. Our biggest thing is that we now know that there's this group called Children of the Watch, or maybe it's just the Watch. We're not right. really sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the biggest change, and I was very excited to finally hear that because I was getting so tired of everybody saying this is a discrepancy. Why did they go against canon? And I'm sitting here going, this show was created by John Favreau, who is pre Vizsla himself. Yeah. And yeah. Dave Filoni, and Dave they have Filoni, not forgotten. Right. right. They have yeah, not sometimes forgotten. you just have to wait a little bit to see where that explanation is going to come in. Exactly. You know? So I, I, I knew that there must have been some explanation, and I figured that, yes, it was that the helmet mandate does not apply to all Mandalorians. It applies to a certain group. And what I had said um, in my original, in my first podcast when I was giving my own speculations was I figured that this group that Din is a part of is prob they're they're probably former Death Watch members who have um, who are seeking to kind of live out their beliefs in a slightly different way. You know, Pre Vizsla had died, Bo-Katan had defected, so they were without leadership. So I figured that they probably kind of 
scattered and then regrouped and started to live out these more orthodox um, uh, cultural ideals. And so for, and, and Bo-Katan now has called them a cult. Right. And uh, right. we're just not exactly sure, you know, how they grew up. But it is really interesting to see, like, she recognizes that this is um, a, a group that that even Bo-Katan, who was a part of Death Watch, sees as distinctly different from typical Mandalorian culture. Yeah, and this is good stuff. This is so. This is something I wanted to touch on, especially with the Death Watch, and then the mention of you know being a child of the Watch. We're talking about two different groups there, right? So we're talking maybe. about maybe or maybe so because it kind of feels like it might be like a some type of splinter group off of Death Watch, you know, uh, because even Death Watch members you know, removed their helmets. That wasn't really, you know, in the Clone Wars, we see them do that. Uh, so it's not. It, 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 it's it's odd, you know, if it's going to be just a Death Watch thing. Uh, but she calls him a child of the watch, uh, which is, I don't know, for me it feels a little different. And I don't know if it's meant to or if it's just the way they they name it, I guess. I have two possibilities that I really think are are options. One okay. is that, I mean, yeah, they, they could be different. They, they could be different groups. They could have grown up parallel to one another, probably during the Clone Wars, and just be two conservative Mandalorian groups that opposed the pacifists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it probably is. It's, it, it, they probably are former Death Watch members. We, we know that Din was found by Death Watch. Right. Um, we, we, we see that. We see them wearing the symbol. Right. Um, and so din was probably found at about the end of the clone wars like right as those big changes were happening but we're still seeing them take off their helmets and those kinds of things mm-hmm. um but i suspect that like i said after they've lost their leadership after after you know we have the siege of mandalore bo takes back the planet she could have either um exiled them for supporting maul right or when the empire took over they could have um, exiled them. But in any case, I think that about the time that Din came in, about the time that he was um, rescued, I think that that is also about the same time that the helmet mandate started coming. I don't think that the helmet mandate is a longstanding thing unless it truly was that it was just two different groups. Okay. I also think that it could be literal. Children of the Watch. Children of the Watch could be meant to be literal. Because actual children of people from like Death Watch. Actual children of the Watch, which is mm. which would um, go with my theory that we've already seen Paz Vizsla, who is also yeah. voiced by John Favreau. I have to believe that there's a familial connection between Paz and Pre. Yeah, 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 for sure. So let me get this straight. So we're thinking it, it could be it could be like a splinter group, or it actually could be children of death watch who have just adopted a helmet rule, you know, more or less a second generation of death watch. Yeah. Okay. okay. Whether they're, Cause we know, we know that, you know, Mandalorians really don't care about being biologically sure. connected to one another. But I think that, you know, the idea of a second generation after pre Vizsla's plan did not work, but they were still looking to further their, rather conservative traditional views and so then they go almost a step further with a helmet type thing you know yeah okay i can see that i can see that that makes sense jess i guess what i'm wondering is it 
Um, after the events of Rebels, you know, we, we get into the original trilogy, you know, chronologically, we're, we don't really know necessarily what's going on on Mandalore. But I feel like there was some event with the Empire taking over or something. And then maybe at that point, that's when they adopt this. Um, no, you know, you have to wear your helmet rule, basically. Is that a possibility that maybe something happened there with the Empire and then they decided, OK, now we we have to have the way of, you know, wearing our helmet all the time and being, you know, conservative or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, looking at the timeline as I see it, I don't think that that's a possibility that the man that the helmet mandate is connected to the empire. And the reason why I say that is because based on Din's age and the fact that he says that he's been wearing a helmet since he was a child, mm. that change mm -hmm. had to have happened shortly after the Clone Wars or around the time of the Clone Wars. We know also that the Great Purge, which was the the um, the event. You know, the, the, the purge, um, that, that this is when the Imperials seemed to view the Mandalorians as a threat to them. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, I have it right here. This book, new, book, yeah. new uh, reference book that came out just about a month ago, yeah. um, it establishes, yes, that the purge happens after season four of Rebels. Um, the, so okay. Bo-Katan takes the Darksaber, she starts to reunite the clans. We don't know exactly what she was planning to do or what she did, but the Imperials looked at what she was doing as a threat to them and as a rebellion and put them down. Um, the one thing that I, I did think was strange was that I always was, I was kind of thinking of the Great Purge as being this kind of red wedding event, like in Game of Thrones, where it was just mm -hmm. like this one single moment where the Empire takes everybody out. But Bo-Katan in the last episode says that she fought in the Purge, which mm. makes me think maybe it was more of a, it actually was a war uh, on, a, on a smaller scale that was going on. Um, but in any case, whenever the Great Purge happens, Din has already been wearing his helmet for over a decade. That's a good point. Over, over two yeah. decades. Two mm -hmm. decades. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we mentioned Darksaber a little bit there with Bo-Katan. Let's talk about Darksaber a little bit. Uh, is that more of a ceremonial element for the ruler of Mandalore? Is there a specific reason Bo-Katan can't reclaim the throne without it? Or is it just kind of like one of those King Arthur Excalibur things, almost like it adds a, an element of legitimacy for whatever reason, be it tradition or whatever? Um, I think both. Okay. Um, and and this is also some some lore that has very slowly been established. Um, even when when we first see the dark saber in season two of uh, the Clone Wars, all Pre Vizsla says is that this saber was stolen by my ancestors from the the Jedi Temple. He doesn't even say that his ancestor was a Jedi, which okay, is what right. we now know uh, with Tar Vizsla. Mm -hmm. But um, the lore surrounding it does seem to be that this weapon was a symbol of Mandalorian leadership, especially for the Vizsla clan. Um, but we don't really know much more. Were they, were they actually actively using it all of the time? I have to believe that they were when, uh, at least for the, um, the Mandalorians who really were into that, the warrior culture. Um, one of the other things that actually a lot of, that hasn't really been mentioned in, 
on screen yet, but is in all of the reference books and actually has been for over a decade, is that the um, the Mandalorian pacifist idea has been part of the culture for a very long time. Okay. So, okay. so the Vizsla clan and actually every single clan had those who were warriors and then those who kind of became enamored with the idea of pacifism. So um, that's especially mentioned with the Vizsla clan. And so that makes me go like, well, if the Darksaber is this symbol of leadership, then what was going on in those times when they were being ruled by people who considered themselves pacifists? Um, so I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't think okay. that it's completely necessary, but I do think that Bo-Katan certainly seems to think that it's necessary. And I think that in the eyes of the people, it probably is as well, considering the last right. three leaders that they've had have all wielded it. And that would have been pre Vizsla and then Maul for a cert oh. for a short time. And then, um, well, Bo-Katan, uh, mm -hmm. Bo-Katan led the, the planet, but now Moff Gideon has it. Right. So, right. so I think it's both. And I think that we need a little bit more in terms of, is it a practical weapon, okay. ceremonial weapon okay. or both? Got it. Uh, so that reclaiming of Mandalore for Bo-Katan, do you think that's something that we might be seeing in this show? Uh, maybe later down the line, maybe a few seasons from now, you know, maybe Bo-Katan and then maybe, maybe that becomes part of, you know, <laughs> what the Mandalorian has to do in this show. I don't know. I really hope so. I mean, I, I, I'm very curious when we were talking about this idea of Moff Gideon creating an army. Yeah. I mean, my my mind immediately goes to um, Bo-Katan has to take back Mandalore and specifically the city of Sundari. And I really want to see Sundari in live, live action. I want to see the That'll palace. Cool. I want to see all of it. Mm -hmm. um, but it it kind of, to me, feels like they could be setting up. You know, maybe maybe Gideon is still using Sundari as his base um, at the, and that the Imperials never left. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And if, if she does have to take it back from him, it would kind of make sense why he needs an army as well. That's just speculation, though. But I, I definitely think that, uh, again, it was Favreau or Filoni, one of them, who mentioned that the show was also going to be coming, becoming more Game of Thrones-like. Mm -hmm. And not only does it feel like it's growing in that same scope that Game of Thrones has, but Bo-Katan shows up and she says, I want the throne. I mean, that how can you get more Game of Thrones-like than that? Um, so I definitely think that it could be what we're going to be seeing. Okay. They could also okay. give her a spinoff of her own, but I kind of True. think that it'll probably be something that isn't isn't it, it that we're not going to dive into. I don't think that she's going to get her own spinoff about this. I think that she could get a spinoff of like something okay. like prequel, but I suspect that we might be we might see Bo and Din and follow that story through, um, but I'm not sure. Okay, fair enough. So along the lines of things that we aren't sure about, uh, let's just let's do some speculation. Let's have some fun with Mandalorian. Um, we saw in Chapter 11, Din was kind of confronted with what he finds out is another <laughs> definition of the way. So does he maybe ch start to change his view about what is the way? I think we've already seen him start to do it. We've I, seen him yeah. lift his helmet to take the drink. This, I mean, the very first scene in this in this episode or second scene in this episode yeah, that's a good point um i think that that's definitely intentional at least to say you know he's not he's not giving things up right now but he's definitely been convicted 
and he's he's recognizing like I don't have the full picture of what other people think it looks like to be Mandalorian. And so he's going to have to wrestle with that. I think that was particularly rough for him is seeing uh, Bo-Katan who is Mandalorian by blood. By blood. And uh, has been wearing the armor all her life uh, to something immediately that he believes is not of a Mandalorian. Uh, and I think that that, that was... <laughs> no pun here. I think that was jarring for him, you know? <laughs> so... I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. It just, it just worked. That <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that, I think that kind of set him for a spin, uh, you know, because Bo-Katan is by definition, everything you would think a Mandalorian would be. Uh, and for him to kind of see that she's not living the same way he is. I think that was very, you know, I think that was something very new for him. And of course that started with, I mean, that's going to be a running theme with this, this series, especially mm -hmm. the very first episode, he meets a Mandalorian, takes his helmet off. And it's, it's a guy who says, I'm not a Mandalorian. So, right. so the tension that was revealed when he met Cobb Vanth was pretty quickly, it pretty quickly dissipated when he realized, okay, like, I don't like this situation, but this guy, he's not claiming to be a Mandalorian. So it, I think it was able to, it, it kind of ticked his conscience and then it, he was able to make a peace with it. Mm -hmm. But now he's, he's met Bo-Katan, who is Mandalorian yeah, by blood, by, by tradition, by creed. Um, and that, that rattles him a little bit more. I also think that we still have to actually meet Boba Fett. We've only, we've seen him, um, but uh, I believe that he'll be back this season as well. And I think that there are going to be some things that uh, I fully expect that he'll be recanonized as a Mandalorian because uh, he, he was uncanonized in <laughs> the Clone Wars, but he yeah, was only yeah. uncanonized by um, Prime Minister Almec, who yeah. Filoni has already yeah. said has his own reasons for believing that he wasn't Mandalorian. So okay. all three Fair of enough. those characters, I think, are going to test Din, and he's going to have to figure out what exactly this means to be Mandalorian. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, you think about, you think back to last season, uh, season one, where Din is kind of learning each episode what it means to kind of almost father this child. Uh, this season, you're kind of seeing the same thing. Uh, he's learning something each episode, but this time it's more about what a Mandalorian is, and, you know, what what, what wearing that armor means, you know? And so it's, you're still seeing him grow as a father figure, but you're also seeing him kind of confront his own convictions and beliefs. So very interesting. Um, do we return to Navarro this season? I don't think so. I wasn't getting those vibes either. Unless, like I said, unless there's a reason that, um, I don't know. The, the comment that Carl Weathers made still makes me think maybe we're going to see a little bit of a different side to Grief Karga, but that just, man, it just wasn't foreshadowed at all, if it's true. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's a reason that he goes back and maybe the the climactic episodes take place there again, but I we just really can't say. I don't think so. 
I'm wondering if there's going to be any retribution from from Moff Gideon about what they did to the the Imperial base on Navarro, Navarro, and if that's going to come back at them this season or or not at all, or if he's just going to be so focused on, you know, the finding, you know, the Mandalorian and finding possibly Ahsoka and everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, going into the second half blind. Things are wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, which is pretty amazing. Uh, has the child had enough to eat yet? Dan, feed your baby. <laughs> the poor kid. I don't know what it is, if he's just growing or what, but man, that, yeah, the, the cookies and the eggs, <laughs> the the uh, crate dragon meat, which I was a little sad that we that uh, it seems like the crate dragon meat just stuck around with uh with pelly oh yeah, yeah. Them, so. i think the kid just needs some protein yeah <laughs> you can't feed him enough you gotta he's, yeah. he's he hasn't had enough to eat yet adam he's you gotta keep keep him keep him fed uh child used the force this this last episode uh, when do we get that big child moment this year you know last year we had the mud horn uh we had Later in the season, we we had the uh, the flame trooper. Uh, when do we get that big child moment this season? He just seems to be a little bit more. Um, I don't I don't want to say side character, but he hasn't had really stepped in to save the day yet or anything like that. You know, uh, grief mentioned in season one, you uh, might just save you. Uh, so, do we see that this year? Uh, is do we maybe? Uh, maybe save that for for season three or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there will be a moment, but I think that my, my, I suspect that Favreau's probably using it very, very sparingly so right. that he's not going to be, come under, um, you know, criticism of just using baby Yoda as a deus ex machina kind of character mm-hmm. where, Oh, we're in a, we're in a pickle. Thank God we have a little mm-hmm. force wielding, yeah. uh, do the magic hand thing. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, do we maybe get a hint of a name or maybe some first words this year? I think that he already has been babbling a little he bit has been more babbling than a lot this year. Than, yeah. Uh, yeah. Last year, which is kind of fun. It's kind of been fun to yeah. see exactly how much, um, baby and din are able to uh, understand each other now there's a lot that he doesn't understand, but that, that scene with the wires, like he's, he's getting it. He's, 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 they're communicating and that's fun to see, but I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't think that Din is willing to give him a name other than kid until it's clear that he's not giving him up. And oh, okay. I, I think that for whatever reason, they're probably, I, a lot of people think that Ahsoka will take him. I don't think that that's mm, the case. It would yeah. destroy the premise. So there she will doesn't be a consider that herself Jedi doesn't. anymore. You know, no. he's, he's going to well, get there. And, oh, that's true. Uh, if she's at where we've left her at before, then he's going to get yeah. there and she's going to tell him that she's not even a Jedi anymore. So, I, I mean, you know, at that yeah. point, would he... It, it, let me ask you this. If that's still where she's at, do you think that Din would be leaving him with her just because she has that history? Or do you think he's looking for actual Jedi? Well, I mean, I think that... Or is that even yeah, the mandate? Uh, you know, is, is that even the... Are we looking for a species, maybe? You know, do we even know that for well, sure yet? 
I think that when Din sees Ahsoka, he's going to be shocked because he does not know that the Jedi are something different are than different. The little green gremlins. Yeah, yeah. Bo-Katan didn't tell him. All the armor has told okay. him is that he needs to reunite him with his kind. And I think that's all being set up as a joke. Um, so so he, almost he, he looks- thinks that he's looking for a green, little green thing that's called a je- the species Jedi. You know? It's called a Jedi, and he okay. doesn't know what he's looking okay. for. That could be. I hadn't thought yeah. of that. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought about it that at all. That's a really interesting idea. Yeah, and and you know I don't I don't think that he'll get a name in in until he meets Ahsoka because if this this theory I've been hearing is true then and she calls him Baby Yoda and that, and that becomes his name <laughs> he looks like a Baby Yoda <laughs> I still love that theory I don't know if John Favreau is willing to do that John Favreau has been so <laughs> against anybody calling him Baby Yoda is he gonna canonize Baby Yoda yeah. <laughs> that would, I wish that, they that would, would be I funny. really wish that they would use some Mandalorian um in the show, I I've always thought it would be really cute if he was called Adika, which is no, Ad is okay. the Mandalorian okay. for child, and Ika mm. is the diminutive, so it's literally little child. Oh, that would be cool. But they're I really like not that. doing that at all right. in this show, um, which is uh, sad to me. I always love the the Conlangs and all of those kinds of things. That would be neat. Yeah, almost use a little bit, of yeah. the, play with the language a little bit. Yeah. I really very, hope very he gets Tolkien a name by the end of the season, right? Because you know, I'm never sure what to call him. Still, I don't. I never know if I should call him the child or Baby Yoda or what. So I give the kid a name, please. I bounce um, back so I know what to anyway. Call him. The weird thing <laughs> is when he actually does get a name, I don't know if I'll keep calling him Child or Baby Yoda or you know if if his name is Yiddle. I don't know. I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I would call him at that point, but. Yiddle. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Like I like I really do not think that he's the child of Yoda and no, Yaddle. No, I, I, no, no, right, right. I, I, but his, but Yiddle would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Josh, do you have anything else for Jess? Uh that's kind of the list of my questions. Uh but do you have anything else for Jess? Or Jess, do you have anything else do you want to add? No, I mean, I think my main question was just about the kind of the purge and everything and, and what effect that might have had. Um, but Jess, I think you did a nice job of explaining that and reminding me that, you know, he, he's been, you know, Din Djarin's been wearing the helmet since he was a kid. So um, that doesn't make sense in terms of the timeline. So I, I'm just fascinated and learned a lot today from, from you, Jess, and I appreciate you being here with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's fun to be able to come on and have a discussion with people who also appreciate this kind of thing. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm with Josh. I learned a lot today and I hope, I hope one of these days you'll want to come back and maybe we'll recap season two and see what we learned after the next four episodes. So I would absolutely be willing to do that. Yeah. That'd be great. All right. Well, Josh, you want to hit the ending here, wrap up this episode? Yeah, let's do it. I'm just glad you're here. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 55. We had a, so much fun hanging out with Jess this week. Uh, Jess, I'm going to throw this back over to you one more time and let you plug everything that you're doing, Twitter accounts, podcast, all that stuff. So just let everyone know where they can find you. Yes, yeah, so as we've mentioned, the the 
uh, podcast that I run is uh, called Stories by Darksaber Light, and it uh, can be found on Anchor and Spotify and several other listening sites. Hopefully we'll be getting it up on, um, on Apple Podcasts as well pretty soon. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Darksaber Light. And, um, I don't want to grunt you. I don't want to burst your bubble, but I think you might be on Apple Podcasts. Am I on Apple Podcasts? Because I think I'm subscribed. I, uh, I thought that I thought that Anchor had told me that that was something I had to do manually. Uh, I was able to listen to episodes "Passenger" and "The Air Is Common Carry." At least. Wonderful. Then I, I guess know. we are on Apple Podcasts. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Check it out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, in any case, the intention yeah. is to be on Apple Podcasts right. as well right. and to make it as, as uh, widespread as possible. So, feel free to reach out on Twitter and um, let us know what you think and how we can improve the podcast. And if you have any other uh, comments or ideas for us, always open to suggestions. Well, awesome. Jess, I just I just now followed you on Twitter, and I'm excited to check out the podcast and subscribe to that. So I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you very much. And it's definitely definitely worth a listen. Uh, Jess and uh, your co-host remind me of your co-host name. Her name is Arika Jade. Arika Jade. Uh, they really dive deep in, into these episodes and go into story elements, and uh, I love how they analyze these episodes. So it's absolutely worth a, a subscribe and a listen. So please make sure that you're doing that uh, for Jess and Arca Jade. Uh, remember that you can find From a Certain Point of View on your favorite podcatcher as well. If you're on one like Apple Podcasts that lets you leave a review, please do so. That helps us get out to more people. It also helps us know what we're doing good and what we can do better. Uh, remember that our Mandalorian rewatches are in our Discord server Thursday nights at 10 p.m. So this week, Thursday at 10 p.m., we'll be uh, rewatching the Siege. Uh, also, next week we'll be inviting, uh, we'll, we'll be welcoming um, Dave and Liv from Pizza and Parsecs onto the show. We're gonna spend some time uh, Thanksgiving week just kind of talking about what we're thankful for in, in fandom in maybe life in general, that type of stuff. So it should be a, a lot of fun with Dave and Liv. Uh, make sure you tune in for that next week. Check out our website from a certain point of view.com where we have our blog articles. Uh, you can find all of our contact information. So you can send us questions or show topics or whatever you may have. Our socials are uh, Instagram, certain POV pod. Twitter is also certain POV pod. Facebook is from a certain point of view. Discord server links are in the show notes and on the website. Our email address is certainpovpod at gmail.com. And uh, we are hosted by anchor.fm. Uh, you can use that to send us a 60-second voicemail if you'd like to weigh in on anything Mandalorian this week. Uh, talk about what you thought about the siege. Uh, we would love to play voicemails on the show. Remember to check out the red5network.com. There's a ton of great shows there. Uh, make sure you're checking out all of the all of the wonderful shows that aren't just Star Wars centric. There's plenty of stuff to trigger all of your you know, fandom interests. So check out red5network.com. Uh, you can find me on the internet, usually on Twitter or Instagram at the Gauze 85. Uh, Josh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jedi Jar Jar 1722. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel from a certain point of view where I just recently dropped my reaction to 
Wonder Woman 1984 keeping its December 25th release date and also debuting on HBO Max. Um, so you know, it goes a little bit beyond Star, our normal Star Wars talk, but you know, maybe maybe we have some expanding going on. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us today and for listening. And just remember, until we talk to you again, everything we said today was true. From a certain point of view.